You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. My wonderful saying that everyone loves to be giving me crap out all the time. I don't know. I feel like I shouldn't change it up, but if you guys think I should change it up, let me know. It is uh, my one thing that I always say every time, and and everyone seems to always want to bring it up to me in almost a mocking tone. I I don't (laughs) get it, but, um, you know. Let me let me know what you think, if I need to change it up, or if you like the way that I intro this pod. But before I go on my rant any further, let's introduce my one and only amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores. How you doing, Richie? Hello, Corey. How are your sake bombs? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I did not expect a, those sake bombs to get to me as fast as they did. And I was... Yeah, it was very baffling. I was not expecting that. It the entire night was not really expected. It was it started out as we were going somewhere else and then um all of a sudden it was like, Oh, they're closed, why don't we go to Osso? Went to Osso. It was um went from a very laid back night to um a lot of sake bombs night and um yeah, I was feeling it pretty good by the time I got home. <laughs> we should do we, we have done this show while drinking wine in the past. We've been known to do that a time or two. So maybe, maybe before the end of the season, maybe on our very last show of the season, we'll, we should do the show. <laughs> well, so. Just shooting the that shots. Was, here's the thing that I was telling them is um, the two of the people that I was with um, happened to be uh, – friends of ours who used to shoot the show for us when we were um, a web show. And um, Dom was the first one who introduced me to car bombs um, on St. Patrick's day and uh, quite a few years back. And then um, last night it was Fern that encouraged all of us to take sake bombs. And so I pointed that out to them. And they said that they would have to get you, I don't know why you of all people, to get me to do a Jaeger bomb. So that way it completes all of them. Yeah, why me? I don't know. Am I just, uh, they am just, I just the one you that, in there? that just say yes to these type of things? Because usually I will. Because Here's the thing. I've done sake bombs and car bombs before. Car bombs are absolutely delicious. I love them. They will kick your ass, but they're so good. Uh, sake bombs I've done in the past. Uh, I'm not a big big fan of them. Whatever they are, what they are. Um, those don't hit. Didn't hit me as much as the car bombs. But I've never done a Jaeger bomb before, and it sounds absolutely disgusting. Because I have. I don't think I've even tried Jaeger before. Maybe one time I've tried it. And uh, I have a deep dislike for Jaeger. Okay. Okay. So so basically, they're wanting me to join them in peer pressuring you to try it. Yeah, I mean, like, I didn't tell them that I hated Jaeger. Um, <laughs> it's just kind of a thing that I, I just genuinely hate. I also hate black licorice. Mm-hmm. My parents have loved black licorice my entire life, and I just think it's absolutely disgusting. Um, I It just doesn't taste right, and Jaeger doesn't taste right either. Um, I used to be uh, around some friends who were in a sorority in college, and they loved shooting Jaeger before they went out. And I kept thinking to myself, why? Oh, why is this a thing? And is this like the girly shot? And then once I got older and found all the other shots I was that were like girlier shots, I was like, why in the world are you shooting Jaeger? This is ridiculous uh, and disgusting. Uh, yeah, so maybe here's the thing. Uh, I will say this. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. I won't force you to do it. Hopefully those are, uh, nobody else forces you to do it. 
you can like you can steer in another direction because I don't I I am not looking forward to doing Jaeger bomb either because and you know I'm a big fan of like good alcohol so I you know I love that but like I hate doing like cheap shots and shit like that that doesn't go for me so don't I mean, do it if I'll you don't want to most things once yeah but if it's as awful as I think it's going to be, like, after I do it, then it's, like, I'm not going to do it ever again. I'm willing to do most things once. And then I'm just, like, mm, mm, no, 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 never again. But, so, I, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I, I still was able to muster down Jaeger for all those, you know, beginning years of being uh, 21 and stuff like that. Well, actually, it was probably more when I was underage. It was probably more like when I was, like, 20 and stuff like that. <laughs> And that's probably actually why we were doing shots of Jaeger is because that was the only thing they could get. But, um, yeah, I am. Mm, yeah, no, the, the I don't know. The, I'm, they... I, am, I am bummed I missed out on on the on the sake bombs. I was at the Coyotes game on Saturday night watching them smoke the shit out of the lightning, which I still don't. Like you tweeted, you tweeted this out from your account at Corey Nicole with two E's on the Twitter. Go follow Corey because she's been tweeting more now ever since our discussion last week. I'm trying, people. I'm trying. Yeah, you tweeted out that like you thought you were like, like in a trance or sleeping or something because yeah, I of the weird happenings dream. in that game against the Lightning, and again, Kyrie's up scoring seven goals for the first time in over well in, in a year and a half since October of 2018. Yeah, well, so that's, that's why um, I wasn't. That's why I wasn't there with you guys. Is I was. I was a little busy. <laughs> that's what our our dear friend Cat tweeted out. If anyone noticed this, and it's so crazy that this is an actual thing, there was half as many goals in that game as there was shots in the previous game. Take that all in. That's that's wacky. That's wacky. It's insane. Absolutely insane and yes you now we we went um after the game but it was like just after the game like the game ended and then we went so um you 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 couldn't have gotten to this side of town quick enough no and i'm glad because like i saw your instagram and i was texting you during and i was like i really don't want to go anywhere i just want to stay home and watch the oc <laughs> Oh my gosh. How far are you and Kat into the OC? We are about uh, 12 episodes into season two. You guys, they can binge watch these shows like nobody's business. I don't know how they do it. I'm one of those habitual people that I'll binge watch something for a while and then I'll get so tired of binge watching it that I won't watch it for a long time and I either won't finish it or I come back and watch the rest of it later. I'm really weird that way. I can't handle... Like, I get too invested in it and too invested in the characters. And then, like, everything just seems, like, boring after that. So I have to, like, give myself a nice, yeah. like, detox from Yeah, it depends on the show you're watching. Like, we, we finished season... Not, uh, all nine seasons of One Tree Hill in the span of, like, three and a half months. And then we moved to the OC and we're a season and a half in. And it's like one of those things, like by the time One Tree Hill was winding up in that ninth season, we were both like, oh, when is this going to be over? It's just, it just took way too long. So luckily for us, the OC is only four seasons. So we'll be able to finish the entire show pretty quickly. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you guys are doing so well on it. It's, it's very impressive, honestly, um, how you guys can sit and do that so I, I give you guys your props on that and uh and don't worry we'll make up for the sake bombs you missed sometime soon yes absolutely we'll do that and so i, I want to go back to saturday night because um not only was the Cardi's game really fascinating but it was an incredible night all around for most of local phoenix sports and we don't get to say that very often now i don't know if you are aware of this Corey, but um it was a great night. Not only did the Coyotes win, the Phoenix Suns also won. They beat the Chicago Bulls on Saturday night. And the Suns are garbage. Uh, they, they're not very good at winning. So to see them win for once was nice. And then also, ASU men's... That is absolutely true. Like They, yes. they are the biggest trash can fire that I've seen for a very long time. Yes. 
Uh, also, ASU men's basketball won. They beat Oregon State. So they have now won their last seven games in a row, which is insane considering how they started the season very, very slow, which it was like the complete opposite of the Bobby Hurley era in the past where they jump out to these fast starts, they get their big wins against Kansas on the road, and they beat Kansas at home last season. And they would come into Pac-12 play and just shit the bed and just like like limp into the tournament basically like they had the last couple of years. Well, now they're on fire. They're rampant, ending up the Pac-12 schedule here very, very shortly in the next couple of weeks. And now because of that win, they're on top of the Pac-12 standings in college basketball, hey. which is insane. So all three of those things happened on Saturday night. Suns win, Coyotes win, ASU basketball wins. It was a very good Saturday night. And then on top of all that, on top of all that, we got one of the best stories in sports in the first two months of the year. And I think we're going to remember this pretty much for the rest of the season. How about the Toronto Maple Leafs getting beat by... An emergency backup goalie. <laughs> so let me, I, I got to tell you guys the background kind of on the series of events that happened, which, which made things so crazy to me um, in this whole process. So I'm watching the game normal as ever. And then um, Kat calls me to, um, to ask if I can help Richie um, take care of uh, her kid today, which bless you, Richie, for uh, chasing her. And then soon as she calls me, Connor Garland scores a goal. And I scream goal probably as loud as I humanly can in her ear. And then after that, Clayton Keller scores a goal. And she goes, oh my gosh, I've been on the phone with you for like two minutes and 45 seconds. And there's already two goals scored. And so she was absolutely baffled and then tweeted out a tweet saying basically that me and her could never get off the phone because, um, you know, everyone saw how terrible the Blues game was. And then to come into this game and see two goals, one of them being by Clayton Keller, who we all know has been doing not the greatest up until last night's game. Um, After those two goals... She was like, we need every bit of luck we can. We can't get off the phone now. Well, when she tweeted that out, then people started telling her, oh, no, 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 no. You're missing something even bigger that there's an emergency backup goalie playing. And then it started to slowly unravel. And I'm not kidding you. I genuinely felt like I was in a strange dream. Because as I was reading all of the stuff about um, that game... And seeing his smorgasbord of pads and helmets and uh, jersey and all sorts of other crap that he was wearing that was like, that literally looked like a um, Mr. Potato Head, you know, where you just like, "Mm, yeah, I'm just going to put a foot in the eye socket and I'm going to, it literally was like they just created this man. And then um, having the coyotes do as well as they were doing. I, I genuinely thought at one point that I was in some like dream sequence and I didn't like it wasn't that long ago maybe a week or two ago that I watched Inception I was starting <laughs> to think that I was being incepted yeah it was pretty it's such a it was like a weird confluence of events all happening at the same time but in case you don't know and you know it by now obviously let me walk you through the story of David Ayers so Both of the Carolina Hurricanes goalies got hurt in the first half of the game on the road in Toronto against the Maple Leafs. And so they needed a goaltender and the emergency backup goaltender in the city of Toronto this night was this guy, David Ayers, who is 42 years old. (laughs) He normally drives a Zamboni for the Toronto Marlies, who is the AHL affiliate of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So essentially what that means is that Toronto Maple Leafs, the owners of the Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs Sports Entertainment, MLSE, if you're cool, that's what we call them. They were, (laughs) David Ayers is an employee of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he beat 
the Maple Leafs for the Carolina Hurricanes on Saturday. He stopped eight out of the ten shots he faced in about 28 plus minutes of the game that he played. Hurricanes won six to three. The Hurricanes have capitalized on this. Obviously, this incredible, incredible story. They're actually selling jersey t-shirts of David Ayers. You can go find them online now. Uh, and the cool thing about this is that, yes, David Ayers is going to receive royalties from the sales of these jerseys that you can find on the Hurricanes website. But a portion of those proceeds will go to a kidney foundation. And get this, David Ayers underwent a kidney transplant back in 2004. So, and here's it. by the way, David Ayers has not played a professional hockey game since like 2014, I think. And he played in like a really, really low-level minor league. He's currently playing beer league in Toronto. And now he has a National Hockey League win. And he beat one of the best offenses in the entire NHL. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, M- <laughs> Mitch Marner. Uh, Willie Nylander, they, none of them were able to get enough shots on goal to beat David Ayers, and David Ayers got the win. It's just, it just an incredible, incredible story. And I was talking to Kat about this last night, and she, apparently a lot of goalies around the league were pissed because of this, and they were like, oh, what, what is this, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, get a hold of yourself. This is a fun story, right? Like, even if – here's my question for you. If – and I had this, Kat asked me this earlier today too, which is if this happened to the Coyotes and say the Coyotes lost to an emergency backup that was a Zamboni driver for the Coyotes, like, would you be pissed about it? I say no, because it's a great fucking story, right? It's one of the coolest stories I've seen in a long time. And this is a story like this, is which which is why we love sports. Because of stories like this, because of the underdog story. Yeah, so that's here's the thing with that. There even their head coach went into the locker room after the game and had given a whole speech saying that all of this, when it's all said and done, the thing that you are going to remember the most is not the wins, not the losses, but the things that are memory inspiring moments that are memories that everyone is going to enjoy so you know he he went and he thanked everyone in the room for um creating um this memory for him um the team for creating the memory for heirs and then heirs for creating memory for the rest of the team and he went through and he like pointed each one of them out and thanked them because of the fact that this is not something that um, happens ever. And I mean, like, as you know, even we here in Arizona do remember when um, when it's the same sort of thing kind of happened. But it was um, he was at home uh, bathing his kids and then was called Sahila uh, River Arena. Um, so it, it does happen in those type of senses where they're, you know, sitting on the bench a lot of times and they'll come in at the very end or something, but they don't really get a massive amount of, um, of like playing time like this. And then to be playing against the team that you work for technically, um, like even his wife was on Twitter, um, literally losing her mind because she was saying how torn she was because she was he was obviously playing for the hurricanes when they are maple leafs fans so um it is literally one of the coolest stories to come out of this and you have to at some point get rid of the fact that this is a sport where you are supposed to win and you're supposed to lose and all of that and appreciate the amazing memories that it has created for everyone in that room and for everyone that was getting to enjoy this from afar, because this is something that brings everyone together. It's something also that has given the NHL, you know, a massive amount of notice. Like you had said that it had made um, CNN's international news. So 
that is a big deal. If the this whole thing is about being, you know, we have to remember that these are people and not just players. And then you're trying to also grow the game. This is amazing on both ends of that. And it's an amazing piece that will be something that will be a part of hockey's history forever. So one game will not amount to what it has become and the good that it will continue to do when those proceeds are going to that foundation. Like I, I think it's very narrow minded to look at it in the aspect of just the one game for a team that has been playing well anyways, and has literally gotten multiple people just reaming into that team because of the talent they have. And they have been looking at that team as being a very lazy team. Like they are a very talented team that doesn't put in enough effort so if you're going to complain about that team losing in the situation because of an employee that beat them, this is very narrow-minded and, and basically get your head out of your ass. <laughs> exactly. That's why I, I was shocked. And apparently, like, Brian Boucher was one of the people criticizing it. And it, ha- it has to do with, like, how the rules are are made, which is apparently they were pissed because this guy w- – you know, shouldn't even be a backup goaltender. They're basically saying there are other qualified people that you should have have should have gotten this opportunity instead of him. Like for example, I believe their equipment manager is a former the Hurricanes equipment manager is a former goaltender, but the rules state that he couldn't actually suit up for the team. Um, so like, I think that's why people are pissed. It's kind of a weird rule because I think, if I'm not mistaken, the rule now is that every NHL city essentially has a list of guys that are supposed to be available for any given game and they could participate for either team if in, in, in an emergency situation like this. And that's why people are angry. It's like, well, this guy's a beer league hockey player. What the frick is he doing in the NHL? Well, he won. He beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. Get well, over and it. he and it doesn't really matter in the end in the fact that like this team played well in front of him which is something that we've been saying about the coyotes for a very long time now is the fact that like a lot of times if you are playing well in front of your goaltender it's going to make the world of difference and so it, in the end it's like this this man will have this memory that he will bring with him for the rest of his life it has changed this man's life and he just got to have one game. Yes, there may be other people that should have gotten it or whatever else, but, like, boo fucking who? Who really cares in the end, you know? Like, in the end, this is a heartfelt story. And when you had, what was it? Was it a week ago? I can't even figure out my timeline now. Where a player had full-blown passed out and had heart issues on the bench. So you have enough crap in the world that this is something good. And sending some good energy into the world is never a bad thing. And having a good story come out of the NHL is never a bad thing either. If anything has, if this has proved anything, you know, life is short. And so you should be able to take these moments and take these really great experiences and, really appreciate them rather than try and pick apart things that have already been, you know, there's no need to pick it apart. Just let it be, enjoy it for what it is and move on. Exactly. This is going to be something that we're going to be remembering for a while. Now I have a, I, here's what I'm wondering. Do you think the skate socks that he wore are going to be going to the hall of fame? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think that uh, they need to be kept though, because that's that's it's a big deal. Like I, I think that's a good question. I don't know. Do you see where I'm going with this? Socks? Huh? Oh, the socks. Uh? Yes, because of socks. Oh, Richie, Richie. I was wondering where you're going with this. I go. You're leading into something. You're leading into something. I'm so sorry, people. I was so stuck in this. I did not realize that people were this angry over it. I've I've 
been trying on Twitter, but I haven't been on Twitter all day. I'm sorry. And I didn't know that people were angry. And, and so I was very zoned out um, on this whole topic. But yes, yeah, speaking of socks, we want to tell you about Southern Scholar and southernscholar.com. They're a menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their or their shop. Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world seriously, crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns. And this is the cool thing, Sporty Nation. Southern Scholar is actually owned by a hockey player with ties right here in Phoenix. Their founder actually played hockey for the Junior Coyotes. So if you want to support somebody who supports the local hockey scene here, go to Southern Scholar, and they bring you a unique yet professional dress sock, which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, of softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit. Oh, that's sexy and beautiful. That stays in place throughout the entire workday. None of this having to move your sock up and down to make it feel good. They stay in place. And here's what you can do. You can go to southernscholar.com and you can join either their monthly sock club and enjoy all the member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their member shop. Or you can shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, when you go to southernscholar.com and you enter the code THPN, like the Hockey Podcast Network, you can save some money. And I'm excited because I am getting my Southern Scholar socks as we speak. Like I'm, as you hear this, I shouldn't say as we speak, as you're hearing this podcast, I'm probably, as you listen, as you listen to the show, I'm probably pulling on my Southern Scholar socks right now. And boy, do they feel good. And we are excited to be able to give away a pair here on an upcoming episode too. Yeah, it'll be absolutely amazing. And I promise you, I won't butcher any of our uh, ad reads like that on them ever again. Um, sorry, y'all, but uh, I, it'll be really cool. They're, like Richie said, um, Sybil will be coming in. I will not be wearing them myself. I will be throwing them on my boyfriend, Scotty, and seeing um, seeing how the ladies like Southern Scholar socks. I will um, see how it is on him, and I'll get his, his opinion on them um, and uh, give you guys my opinion on how I think they look. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be really cool. I'm really excited for our giveaway. Giveaways are always fun. So um, that'll be really exciting to be dealing with coming up here and uh richie was really excited because he'll get to have some nice smooth silky socks to wear to coyotes games oh yeah absolutely speaking of silky smooth how about this transition those were some silky smooth goals from the coyotes on saturday against the lightning ah Ah. Uh, uh, uh. yeah that was pretty good i like that richie um yeah there was seven goals um on saturday night and you will not believe who one of the people that was a two goal scorer for the night that would be clayton keller um can we have gotten any goal any of those goals from you at a previous time um those in any other game those would have been massive goals but it, it's okay, you know, and let, let's not be nitpicky. Let's just appreciate the fact that he actually scored something at all. And then Connor Garland also with two goals, Carl Soderberg with one, and R- Brad Richardson with one, and Derek Sipon with one, which is very interesting because I did want, I was initially going to come on to this podcast today on go, and go into a slight rant on Stepan in the fact that he is the one that is going underneath the radar of suckage. Explain. So everyone has been ripping on Keller and Schmaltz because they Schmaltz had a, a very good beginning to a season. Keller, we were expecting really great things out of this season. Um, and then everyone's been ripping on Kessel because um, we've been expecting large things out of Kessel. Everyone's been ripping on OEL because OEL is a captain. He gets paid a fair amount of money as well as Keller. Um, and so, you know, we're expecting a lot out of them. But the one person I felt was do- really crappy and was going not noticed was Stepan in the fact that he 
also wasn't really producing much and was just kind of flying under the radar when he himself should also as an assistant and as a vet on this team be pulling a lot more of his weight than he has been he is he hasn't been doing very well either lately and i think it's simply because of the fact that he is that he is not one of those that we were looking at to take off this season we were just wanting him to be as decent as he was the season before that he has gone under the radar and no one has given him his due for ripping on him. Just saying. Actually, I don't think you're wrong there. I'm glad you brought that up because he does go under the radar of another player that has underperformed. And he, all you have to do is just look at his stats. And 50 points or more pretty much every season while he was in New York. He topped out at 57, 55, 53, 55. Came to Arizona in 2017, put up 56, and he had a big drop-off last year to 35, and he's got 27 points in 65 games this year. And uh, he's probably on pace for about that same 35-point mark. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I wonder how much that has to do with, like, who he's playing with in a way because he his minutes seemingly have been reduced this year in terms of playing, like, five-on-five. Yes, he's still getting the Yes, he's still getting the penalty-killing time. Uh, he's still getting some time on the power play, although not as much as of late. But like he has kind of redu- has a reduced role where he's essentially playing on the third line now, and he's playing more of a bottom six role on this team. And he's playing a little bit different role where he's not expected to provide as much offense, I think, as he has in the past. He he's more of a guy who's expected to play that leadership role play smart defensively, play well on the penalty kill, and that's his job more so than uh, much anything else. You look at his face-off percentage, too, where the Coyotes have struggled most of the season, and he's at 48%. But, yeah, he had a big goal against against the Lightning. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, I don't – yeah, he's a very interesting case this year because I don't think he's, he's alone in some guys that have kind of – underperformed this year because there seems especially there seems to be a lot of those guys Michael Grabner Vinny Henestrosa Brad Richardson and Derek Stepan just to name a few who have to me underperformed but that's just me yeah it just it's to me I think it's surprising the fact that you know people have called quite a few people out and have put a fair amount of pressure on a lot of different people on the team and he just hasn't been one of those and I, and I didn't really think it was fair that he wasn't getting called out because of the fact that, um, you know, I, people have kind of been breathing down Clayton Keller's neck. I mean, rightfully so. If you are provided with um, the contract that he is getting, then you uh, need to perform. But um, I just thought that Stepan was very kind of you know it's not like he's doing it on purpose or anything but he's very cleverly um going underneath the radar radar there and he's not doing the as well as i think he should he only has 10 goals right now and um no one's really seeming to notice and so i that, that is i wanted to take this time to let everyone know um he's also underperforming so in, in case you didn't enjoy my uh, nice heartwarming story before I am now bringing it back down to reality. Let's talk about something positive though, from that game too. Cause Derek Stepan did put up two points. He had the goal, but the most positive thing from that game, in my opinion, was this brand new line that Rick Tockett was rolling out there where Connor Garland was playing with Baird Hayton and Phil Kessel and it paid off. It paid off big time. Connor Garland had maybe his best game ever as an Arizona Coyote. And he's been having a very good season this year. He has the most goals on the team now with uh, 22. Yeah, with 22. He had two of them on Saturday against the Lightning. But I thought he played his best hockey I've seen him play. And he did it in only 16 minutes. And I don't know if you noticed this too, but it seemingly – Put, moving him off of that Taylor Hall line and onto that line with Barrett Hayne and Kessel seemingly gave Phil Kessel a little bit more umph in his game on Saturday night. He seemed to be buzzing more than he has in the past. He had the four shots on goal, 
he had some scoring chances. wasn't able to get on the on the on the score sheet in terms of putting up any points. But you listen to Connor Garland and Coach Tockett after the game, and they both of them talked about how you know they thought Phil Kessel played a good game. They thought Barrett Hayton played a great game, and and Connor Garland loved playing with those two. And I think they've hit on something there which was one of the biggest keys in that win was kind of swapping up the lines because Taylor Hall still got his his scoring, you know, accomplished um, playing on that uh, with Dvorak and uh, and I, uh, Nick Schmaltz, I believe, was on that line with them too. And Nick Schmaltz got a point. But so I think they finally hit on something, which is good. And something we talked about from the beginning of the season, which is how do you kind of distribute the scoring a little bit more and Connor Garland now playing on that second line with the guys he did was very, very good for this team going forward in terms of balancing the scoring out and improving the games with some guys that needed to have improved play recently. Well, yeah, I mean, I think as we had kind of both said previously, the way that Talkit puts things together is he is constantly moving his lines around. And he very much bases a lot of his planning off of two guys on a line and then changing the third round has been his thing for years. He's done it a little bit less as of recent, but he he's very big on moving things around to see what clicks. And I had kind of mentioned in the last um, podcast about the fact that I felt when Barrett Hayton came in that he would be that missing piece of um, moving people around and seeing where he clicked. And like I it might take a little, I told you it might take a little bit of time for them to be able to like move around to the point that he clicked. Luckily it happened faster than I thought it would. And so it, it definitely was looking good throughout most of this game. And um, so I definitely thought that that was a good direction that the team was going in. But I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, it's always the best to be changing things up and with this team um with the way that they play they if they ever get resting on their laurels and they get used to what they're doing and they get not essentially bored but if they don't have things moving around they don't play very well so in in the grand scheme you definitely need this team to constantly be changing up the way that they play and the way that their momentum is moving because in this game, after those first two goals, um, they most definitely had a great momentum going in from there. So the whole idea of them constantly being moved around and trying to figure out what clicks is a big part of this team because they are a average team in the fact that they have talent, but Sometimes the talent is not applied and they aren't extraordinarily ta- talented. So um, they have to work hard at it and they have to make sure that they're all clicking and it re- involves them moving a ton of stuff around. So I know this sounds like I'm kind of going around in circles here, but basically I think the the fact that he is in there and he's changing some things up is healthy for this team. Yeah, and and Rick Tockett talked about after the game how he was like, he was basically like everybody was was buying in again. They were all sticking to the game plan. They knew exactly what they needed to do and they did it and they accomplished it. And they even had a little bit of adversity there where you know they had the they were up a goal they were up there three to one. Lightning came back and scored two goals in the span of you know two minutes. And then Brad Richardson answers right back there in the middle of the second period for the Coyotes to get the lead. They never looked back. And again, it's just like I don't understand this team. Like it just doesn't. I don't. It doesn't compute to me. You had mentioned earlier where they had scored seven goals in this in that lone game on forty-one shots against Andre Vasilevsky, who is a former Vezina Trophy winning goaltender. Where. Against St. Louis, they had 14 shots on goal total. So it's like this team is so stinking helter-skelter. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And 
I'm hoping that this they have some a little bit of home time here coming up, right? They have a five-game homestand coming up in March. They have a couple more games on this homestand coming up um, against Florida and one other team. Who is it, Corey? Do you have the schedule in front of you or do I? Uh, Buffalo. Florida and Buffalo coming up. And they've been playing very, very well at home lately, right? I think they're 8-3-1 and one at home since the scripts flipped to 2020. And maybe that's what this is. Maybe this this team has just just likes playing at home now, and that's what they need. And they're going to get more of that coming up in uh, in March. And that is exactly what this team needs to get back in the playoff race. And speaking of that, um, we have one bit of news here. Darcy Kemper went down to Tucson on Saturday night, so he is on his way back. He went on a little bit of a a. Um, a, he went on a conditioning stint, as they called it, basically, to see how he played. He was down in Tucson. He stopped 26 of 28 shots for the Roan Runners. Um, and so he had, a, he had a nice little game there. The Roan Runners, I believe, ended up losing the game, but they tacked on a couple uh, extra empty netters there at the end. But he is now back. He was recalled by the Coyotes on Sunday afternoon. And so now it is expected that Darcy Kemper is going to be back in net for the Coyotes come Tuesday night at Gila River Arena, taking on the Florida Panthers. And we talked about it on this show quite a bit, where this is huge for them to get Kemper back. Um, even though Auntie Ranta has been excellent the last, what, four games he's played. Yeah, it's, it's massive that um, he will be coming back, especially too in the fact of the recent injury of uh, Jacob Chikrin. So you have defensemen this season, like literally falling left and right constantly throughout the season. Um, Same with goaltending. You know, everyone has been getting that. If there's one thing that consistently plagues this team every single season, it is injuries. So it is nice to see that he will be coming back. I think you also told me that uh, Ronta's, wife is about to be having a child too so that is um pretty good timing on that too (coughs) so that's good to note as well but yeah no i i think it's really great timing and the fact that this team is finally starting to come back around and starting to as you had said before buy into um to what talk it's really been trying to preach for a while now and yeah it is kind of funny that this team has these horrible streakiness when it comes to when either at home or away because they have a weird sensation about not liking one or the other and these are going to be some of the most important games coming up because of the fact that they a lot of their future in the playoffs is uncertain and it's all coming down to you know how everyone else plays around them because they had such a jam-packed schedule um through the first you know two-thirds of the season three-fourths of the season um and so they were kind of unlucky in the fact that they got stuck with such a tight schedule all the way through um until now and all these people that are behind them all these teams are getting this chance to now try and come back and come at them so um a lot of this is going to be out of their hands, but it's great because they are they are back to the point where they're doing well at home. And with these home games coming up, they're starting to be increasingly, increasingly more important and more important, more important. Um, and it really is just going to be that they can only worry about themselves and worry as many worry, worry about winning as many games as they humanly can and try and do the best they can for themselves. I was wrong about their record at home since 2020 rolled around, by the way. I, I mixed up my numbers. Let me get it right. Um, I should have looked at this before, damn it. Done my stinking research. Thought I knew it off the top of my head, but I did it. So I went back and looked at yesterday's game notes, courtesy of our friend Jeffrey with the Coyotes. The Coyotes are, after Saturday night now, 8-1-3 and three at Heather River Arena since December 31st. And in that span, they are a plus 17, or excuse me, plus 18 goal differential. 
That's incredible. Oh, that is beautiful. That is very good. And now they're getting one of the best goaltenders in the NHL back with Darcy Kemper, which is humongous. And I'm curious to see how he plays, if it's going to take him some time to get back in it. Um, but we do know this. He's not going to tire out at the end of the season like he did last year. So we'll see how how Darcy Kemper plays. I'm excited to have him back. Um, but um, it's interesting that Antti Ronda has been playing a lot better lately too. But uh, congratulations uh, coming up, though. Like you said, to Antti Ronda, because his wife is going to have a baby soon. Talk it mentioned that last night in the press conference where he was like, yeah, it's good timing because we have a lot of days off coming up and, and Ronda's having his kid. So um, so the Cowboys have uh, are back to their interesting goaltending situation. But I wanted to wrap with this in the time we have remaining. It might be a, a little bit longer discussion. Maybe we'll do it on the next one because we're running out of time here. But I was just curious because I don't think the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs – I don't know. I don't remember if I said that on the last episode or 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 not. But I know I said it on Kenny and Crash this week. You can't lose a game on the road to Ottawa, and you just can't crap the bed like you did on the road against Dallas and St. Louis when there are teams behind you who have played less games than you have. Giving up points like that is ridiculous. You can't only put up 14 shots and in 60 minutes. NHL game and expect to make the playoffs. But with that said, with that said, what do you think the point total they need to be at in order to make the playoffs? Last year, I believe the um, the Avalanche made it with 90 points because the Coyotes had 86 at the end of the year. So that would just give you an idea. What do you think? Where do you think the Coyotes need to be at the end of the season to make the playoffs? And you can also respond to the to the um, the my point I was making about um, crapping the bed against on the road. Yeah. So one of the things that's going to be highly dependent here is um, poor Auntie Ranta in um, that St. Louis Blues game was he did everything he could like humanly possible without scoring a goal himself to win that game. And they just crapped the bed in front of him. And it's so disappointing because of the fact that Auntie Ronta has been struggling for so long that he finally had the confidence in himself to come into that game and just be lights out. And then the entire team was just so frustrating. It was absolutely terrible game to watch. The offensive zone play was non-existent. And as you had said before, there's only 14 shots on goal which is crazy and and so this team is not going to do well if they rely too much on Darcy Kemper they just think oh well now that he is back that he is going to support them essentially um and that and also in the fact that if um they go into this thinking that they already aren't going to make playoffs isn't going to go well either. They have to come into this as if they are fighting for their lives, no matter what is coming up behind them. And they cannot rest on their laurels of one bit because if they do, they will not make a playoff spot. They are such a streaky team and without consistency, especially here at the very end, they will not make it anywhere. And and we wouldn't even really particularly want them to be in the playoffs anyways, because that would just, be terrible to watch so um i it's funny because you are the numbers person you like throwing a number out there and i had heard your number earlier and and i I agree with it but i just feel like it is an ever-moving number constantly because of the fact that there are so many teams coming up from behind them that it literally depends on how well those teams play and not so much what number the Coyotes get to, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But, again, you can't count on – on the, like, I'm expecting those teams in those four and five games that they have in hand, the Coyotes, to essentially do what they are now, which is take about 60% of their points, essentially. Because that essentially taking 60% of your points essentially gets to around 90 points, which is essentially the 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 – the playoff cutoff most years, around 90 points. So if you take that into effect, the Coyotes have, I believe, a three-point cushion. We're going we're gonna to do some hard, hard math here, Sporting Nation. Get ready for this because this is exciting stuff. So 
let me take you through this here for a moment and just bear with me because it's going to take it's going to take some time here to kind of explain where I'm where I'm where I'm coming from on this. Nashville has played four less games than the Coyotes. I'm expecting in those four games out of the eight points they're going to get six of them. Okay? That would put them at 74 points. That would give them a two point or excuse me, a four point advantage over the Coyotes. That's two games and that is not a lot, but when you're in the stretch run it's so tough to make up points down the stretch. It really is. Unless you go on a run like the Avalanche did at the end of last year where they were able to overcome the Coyotes in the standings. Because remember, the Coyotes had, were in a playoff spot with about 10 games to go, and they shit the bed. They lost to Colorado, and they lost to L.A. But I digress. It just I just think everything right now is mostly going against the Coyotes. And and let me, let me expand on that with, you said I was like the stats guy, and I, lo- I love that kind of stuff. There is a, a great Twitter account that you can follow, at ineffective math his name is Micah Blake McCurdy and he does a really good job of putting up you know playoff probabilities every day and right now he's got his playoff cutoff at 89.9 points in the Western Conference he has the Coyotes right now on pace for 89.7 points which would have them miss the playoffs at the moment so in my opinion the Coyotes have 18 games left. I think they need to get at least to 91 because if a team gets hot, well, that number is going to go up. So if you get to 91 points, I feel like you're going to get into the playoffs, whether that's a third, a two or three seed in the Pacific Division or one of those top two wildcard spots. And in order to do that, I have them, they would need to go, and I kind of figured out from my math perspective that essentially they would need to go 8-5-5. Five, and five. In their last, what, 18 games of the season. Um, or excuse me, 17 games of the season. My bad. If they go 8-5-5 five, and five in those 17 games, that would get them to 91 points. Which doesn't sound too crazy. But it's still tough considering the schedule they have. Because I tried looking at the schedule, um, you know, coming up. and the other, the other factor, too, into this that you have to factor in is... Um, regulation games because if they get into a situation where it is a tiebreaker you want those games to be regulation games as well oh sure yeah because row is their fir- is the first tiebreaker and the coyotes are way behind and on that compared to pretty much every other team in the pacific division vegas vancouver edmonton all have 30 coyotes are at 26 so that's actually an interesting point but do you like do you kind of see where i'm coming from coming from here like it's just going to be it's tough for me to find where the Coyotes are going to get their points down the stretch because they're not playing a lot of bad teams, right? They have a, a game against LA, they have a game against Anaheim, they have a game against San Jose, they have a game against Detroit. But other than that, they're all playing the teams they're playing against. They're playing Vegas, they're playing Vancouver, they're playing uh, Nashville, and they're playing Winnipeg and Calgary down the stretch. And when you're doing that, it's it's tough to to get points unless, unless the Coyotes – show up like they did against Washington, New York, and and Tampa Bay in the last week. Well, and that's and what would you rather this team going into? So throughout this entire season, this team has performed well under pressure and has performed poorly under the lack of pressure because of the fact that they do not buy in unless they have to buy in, which is kind of a sad thing to have to say in, in all reality, like that this team should have been buying in the entire time. I mean, it's not like things hadn't been going their way. I mean, when you pick up Taylor Hall um, part of the way through the season, it's always a big deal. So, but this team genuinely has not seemed to have bought in unless they are playing tough teams where they're consistently pushing themselves as a team. And I think that this is actually the way that you would want the team going in is to be going into tough teams. If they were going to, into teams that aren't um, really high caliber teams, I don't think they would be playing as well because that's just the, there's not many trends that have been very consistent through this team throughout the entire season, other than the fact that they play well against better teams. That is a, a good point. And, the, and for the most part, they played pretty well against the Pacific division pretty much the entire season. Let me bring up their, uh, the record again, because they haven't played a lot in the Pacific Division lately. 
Uh, hang on just a second. Let me bring this up here. And while you are bringing that up, I did point out earlier, too, it, this week they, they play Florida and Buffalo at home. Um, they are playing Tuesday and Saturday. Um, a lot of teams will be making up a game somewhere there in the, in the, in the middle where they'll be playing on, like, Thursday, per se. Or um, the next week they will be playing um, in Vancouver on the 4th and Calgary on the 6th, which is Wednesday and Friday. That still leaves another day earlier in that week um, or that Saturday or whatever for there to be games that are made up. So you will see a fair amount of games that will be made up um, against other teams in those two, at least two games, I would say, from those teams um, in that time span because of the fact that the Coyotes are playing only two games instead of the normal three games um, in the next two weeks. So Coyotes are 10-7-4 in the Pacific Division this year which is pretty on par with really the rest of the division because they're basically all eating up on the Kings to Ducks and the Sharks with how bad they are. The uh, the only team that has more points against the Pacific Division than the Coyotes do are the Calgary Flames with 25. Coyotes have 24, and the only other team to have 24 points uh, is uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are 11-5-2 in the Pacific Division. So we agree to disagree on the subject of whether or not the Coyotes are going to make the playoffs. I'm very skeptical at this point. But I will say this. I'm saying it's possible. I'm not saying that it's, like, going to happen. I'm saying it's possible if they play – they worry about themselves, they play their game, and they just are consistent throughout the rest of the season. But it's it's not like we've seen consistency through them at at any point in the season. So – if you were going off of what you have seen as of recent, taking out this absolutely crazy game that happened on Saturday, you would say no. But I like to be optimistic. And, um, you know, I don't like to pull out my we can't have nice things until mm-hmm. I'm frustrated and we can't have those nice things because nice things never happen. I would like to pretend like something nice will happen. Yeah, and I'm not, like you said, I'm skeptical, but... If they get hot at the right time and they put together a five or six game win streak against some of these teams, they'll change my mind. But for now, I'm very, very skeptical at this point um, with, you know, 17 games left in the season. Have you, did you, have you realized we've been talking for 57 minutes? This stuff just flies by. There, and I, Sometimes we just go on little rants. I know for sure I went on uh, a few little rants this time around that probably went on way too long. I apologize, Sporty Nation. After that last game, it's just been a weird life. Things just haven't seemed normal, and uh, <laughs> that's the only excuse that I can come up with because uh, it's just been been crazy after that game. It was, I don't know. It, I seriously still feel like I'm in a parallel universe after watching that game. Me too, because remember, Lightning were coming off an 11-game win streak before they lost to Golden, the Golden Knights and the Coyotes. But um, That is one of the things that this team has done very well this season, too, is break a lot of people's win streaks. Yes, exactly. Uh, they did it against uh, Washington and Rainier. They did it against St. Louis a couple times. They didn't end the streak against Tampa, but they continued their losing streak, so that that's a thing. But uh, anyway, is there anything else you have before we go? Um, basically, just Sporting Nation, wait for us to um, give you more details on that giveaway. It'll be coming out soon. We will probably know more once we get our socks into, uh, well, for you guys, probably like literally right now for us as we're recording this tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I hope you guys are excited and you guys can win some amazing socks. They'll be, I think, Coyotes themed. I think all of our uh, all of our socks that we're getting in are coy- like Coyotes colors. So that'll be fun. Yeah, we're excited for that. Stay tuned for that. Um, we have a giveaway, or not a giveaway, we have a contest coming up on the network, which we will tell you more about in the coming uh, week or so when the contest officially gets started. But I will tease this about it. I'll tease this about it. It has to do with tankathon.com and cool hockey. And if you win the contest, you have the chance 
to get a $200 gift card to coolhockey.com. So be on the lookout for that. That starts, I believe, at the very beginning of uh, of March. So we'll we'll tell you about that when we get to it. Exciting stuff. Pretty easy to enter. We hope you enter it. Stay tuned for information on that. Uh, not only on this show, but on 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 our Twitter feeds at Corey underscore Richie Show on Twitter at R Flores ninety one at Corey Nicole with two E's as Corey continues her uh, ever more tweeting, like we talked about last week. And uh, I made the most amazing, awful um, uh, dad joke by saying that the uh, Maple Leafs should listen to All Time Low after that game. And I'm still thoroughly enjoying it. So that's the uh, wonderful content you'll get by following me on on the Twitter, as Richie likes to call it. Also follow at HockeyPodNet on Twitter and Instagram for giveaways there, too. A lot of fun stuff happening. We'll update you all as it comes along into the Sporting Nation. Until next time, we'll talk to you again after the trade deadline on Thursday. Until then, good night and good hockey, everybody.